0: Hi all and welcome to episode 3 of an Inside View podcast. I hope you all had a lovely week and that you're all getting out and about more often now with the loosing of restrictions throughout Ireland. Thankfully sports will be, will be returned to our screen soon and businesses will be opened up again. If you haven't got an opportunity to listen to episode 1 with Irish rugby international Catherine Dane or episode 2 with Eamon Dunhu of the Irish Times and Air Sport please do go back and have a listen. We'd also really appreciate if you could take time out to rate and review our podcast. Um, and please do get in touch with us, as as we mentioned before, if you have any stories from being part of a team, whether it's a sports team or a corporate team, we'd love to hear it. Do not worry, everything will be kept confidential. Also, we want to take this opportunity to throw it out there. Um, what is you're feeling around support returning? Do you think it's a recipe for disaster? Are you happy? Are you cautious? Are you worried? Or you just don't know how to feel? Please do let us know. You can get onto us on any of the social media platforms. Our Instagram is at underscore on the ball team building over on Facebook. You'll find us on the ball team building and on Twitter. It is at We Are On The Ball 2. That is a digit 2. Or you can drop us an email info at ontheballteambuilding.com. It's no time to bring on our guest for this week's podcast. I'm delighted to announce we're joined by 24 year old Keen Hanley from Mayo. He was appointed minor captain of his county in 2014 when they lost out to eventual winners carrying the All Ireland semi final. Unfortunately, that is a date to forget for Keane as he sustained an ACL tear and was forced off halfway through the first half. However, he still made a transfer across the AFL side Brisbane Lions a few months later and spent four years with the Lions before returning to Mayo in 2018 and made his senior championship debut for the county later on that year. He is one of the founders of Game Ready Gear, which Ballindreen teammate and Mayo underage star Shiraz Akram and current Mayo star Tom Parsons. Keen, how are you? Yeah. How, how are you surviving the lockdown? Um, how are you keeping fit? And are you still training away on your own with Balandrine?
1: Jamie, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, not too bad. Life is good up here in Ballindreen. Um, enjoying the good weather and getting some training in. Um, yeah, so. Training-wise, I've been doing a fair bit, so I'll be good friends with Shiroz Akram uh, from my local town and club, and we'd be meeting up, and I brought out the Brisbane Lions off-season program from two or three years ago, so I'll try to get back into my running and trying to do my own little home workout, so can't complain. Very good. Um,
0: and I'd I like to believe you're, you do a bit of work with uh, Andy Morn as well, and
1: he's two gyms. you want to tell us a, a bit about that? I do, yeah. So. Uh, thankfully Andy again so from my same club um, so when I moved home from Australia he was extremely good to me and um, brought me into the gym and I've been working there now over two years so started off learning the ropes off David and Derek and the boys there got my personal training certificate and ever since just been running classes and yeah I love it so that's the movement in Castlebar and Obviously COVID has affected things now, but um love it over there.
0: Very good. And do you think um do you think your experience with, say in professional sport, which we'll, we'll touch on soon, um, do you think that you know benefits you say teaching other people and do you think you've learned stuff over there that is helping you
1: you kind of bring a different element to things? Um, I suppose, yeah. So in the classes like there was a funny story. Is there's these a uh, a group that come in on Tuesday evening, Baxter, and we normally do the normal warm ups that we might do, say obviously with Brisbane or Mayo or Munster Rugby. So a lot of the exercises are the same. So we had these group of ladies that come in, and we were doing the same warm up, and they were like, "Oh, we were doing the same warm up." I was watching Monster Rugby the other night, and I couldn't believe, it, but they were doing the same warm up as us. So I suppose bringing in. Elements like that, like the people love it. And it's just about building relationships and getting them moving as well. So I suppose yeah, I'd bring bring some kind of elements.
0: Very good. And um do you think I suppose look this lockdown now is definitely changing a lot of things. Um and uh, you know, training over Zoom is definitely increasing. Uh do you think that's gonna change say the fitness industry overall? Um, or do you think there be more people Operating off Zoom, or what's your general feeling around that?
1: I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, it will open up the eyes to a lot of gyms and get people thinking in other ways, I suppose. Um, the social distancing, I know now in the movement, will be not hard, but it'll be restrictive in terms of how many numbers you can hold and stuff. Um, but definitely, I mean, for PTs and stuff, it's definitely another option that. If For some reason, people aren't comfortable getting back into gyms and crowded areas, then it's definitely something that could uh continue to grow, yeah.
0: Are you doing a bit of training with say over over zoom with your own club? You know,
1: is that how you keep in contact? We have it now ourselves, so we um we try to keep a bit of crack going because obviously, you know, yourself trying to keep motivation between boys and everything has been hard, so um, we've set out each week and set two new challenges and divided our our full team into different groups so trying to balance the teams out as best we can one team have walked away with it now but uh, so it might be a one kilometer run paired up with how many push-ups you can do in a minute so everyone will put through their scores and the average score so boys are doing their own training that's just a bit of crack we've kind of kept in the whatsapp um, so not as much zoom actual trainings but more just a bit of crack between the boys
0: before we go on any further, reminds remind you to bring it back to your early days. Look, you're still young, but bring it back to your, <laughs> your underage career with Mayo. And how were you appointed captain in
1: 2014
0: with Mayo minors?
1: Yeah, so luckily I had very successful underage. Um, so I think I played with Mayo since I was under 14 all the way up. And we we had a strong team, so Matty Ruan and Brian Reap and lads were involved now at the minute. So when we were under 15, we went to London and we represented Mayo to play London. And then ever since, we kind of grew up together and we some good teams. So in 2013, I was part of the All-Ireland winning team. So Stevie Cohn, Michael Plunkett, Jeremy O'Connor. So again, a very strong team. And then I suppose just after that year and then going into a strong pre-season in 2014, um, got named captain. and We'd a fairly successful year. Got knocked out to Kerry, unfortunately, um, but yeah, it was a huge honour, and I was yeah, it was some of my best memories.
0: Very good. What's the system above there to be point captain? Is it? Did
1: you win the minor champ county championship or? No, no. They just year to year just depends. Um, I suppose they're probably looking at training and leadership and stuff and. I think Stevie obviously was a standout leader in twenty thirteen, and then I was lucky to follow in his footsteps then in twenty fourteen. Very good, and you um, did a very good year. In fairness, And look you came
0: across uh, you know a strong carry team at fourteen, and I think that was the start of the five in a row. Um, yeah. Far as I far as I remember, and you had a unfortunate ending to that game. You came off early. You want to? I wouldn't oh, say you, you came off early. You were forced off early.
1: Yeah, so that was um that was a tough day. So obviously had big aspirations going into the game. Um, fancied our chances. <laughs> so um went in and then I think it was about ten fifteen minutes in, went up to catch a ball and um, twisted, landed awkwardly, and I did my ACL. Um, at the time I had no idea. It was a young fella wanted to stay on. I was like captain all Ireland semi final crow park. No way I'm coming off so um I thought ah, I'll, I'll run it off so it was sore like extrusion like so sore for the first minute and um, then it wasn't too bad so I was like okay I might might be able to carry on here so I got up exact same thing happened I would say about three minutes later and I was thinking my man thinks I'm going to turn to the right now because when I turned to the left I fell over so alright I'll go to the left again just to kind of think do you know what I mean so I would him to the exact same thing, landed and then knee caved in again. So I was like, oh, something not right here. So the physio comes on, they've checked it. They're like, they, like, they still didn't know at this stage. So we get the tape out, tape up my knee. And then this is, I moved into full forward. So like, edge of the square, went to push off. Third time it went. And I was like, I can't move here. So a uh, stretcher came on. And yeah, that ended my day. So unfortunately, it was. What twenty-five or twenty minutes into the first half, um, and we still gave them a good push, but unfortunately, I think Mark O'Connor and the boys just were too strong. Yeah, it was an incredible
0: carry team at the time. Um, I suppose yeah. on on that point, you know, you were forced off. Did you look? Obviously, there's a you know rumors around beforehand about you know maybe possibly you going away to the Brisbane Lions. I'm not too sure. Was it sorted out before then, or whatever? Whatever the case was, um. Did you think your your dream of possibly playing professionally? Did you think that was that was gone then?
1: I had my yeah, I had my thoughts. Um, so what I didn't know going into that game was so we played on the Sunday, and on the Monday, the Lions had told Pierce, um, who was with the Lions at the time and my mother that they were actually going to sign me, so they had agreed to sign me. And they never told me because they were like, well, I have a big game to focus on. So then did my knee, and Mum and Pierce never said anything. So I was like, oh. I was like down, didn't know what was going on. Then got a Twitter notification that a, a local newspaper said, younger brother of Pierce Hanley has been signed by the Lions. And I would call Mum, I was like, what's going on here? I haven't heard a thing. And then she was like, Oh, well, we weren't actually sure if they're going to take it now or not. So that's how I found out. But um, yeah, luckily they stuck by their word and took me over. It's the, the power of social
0: media. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's amazing you found out over that, that way and your your uh, your parents kept it in. Geez, fair play to them for keeping it in. It must have been hard. At yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I suppose, look, you, in that situation, then, you had. Born ACL um, and you knew you were heading away to, to Brisbane, you eventually found yeah. out. How did you feel? You're obviously, you know, static, you're excited, but you know you're injured as well, and you had a quite serious injury.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so for me, I so since Pierce went over, so I was eleven when Pierce left home. So he left when he was 18 as well and moved to the Lions. And I suppose seeing him do so well in Excel over there, I kind of always wanted to be like Big Brother, I suppose, and following his footsteps. Um, so I was just excited to get over, and the Lions, Lions were great. So they kind of said, do "You know what? It's a blessing in disguise. We can bring you over. We can put some put some muscle on you, get you to learn the game, learn your skills, and just it was kind of like an introductory year. So, um, it actually worked out pretty well, but obviously it was tough at the same time, not being able to. Go out and run around.
0: Yeah, I suppose it is all about perspective and how you looked at it. Um, yeah, like you're saying, it kind of, it kind of worked out well. That you know, it gave you an opportunity to learn the game and adapt to the, the culture and climate over there. Tell us about your time with the Brisbane Lions. You know, I suppose you know you went over, and yeah. you know at eighteen, you know, leaving Ireland, you have a lot of people in similar situations you are younger. And they're either going to Australia or going to America to play soccer, or they're going to the UK. It can be lonely. It can be difficult. How do you feel? Was it a bit easier with Pierce over there?
1: Um. Yeah. So I get this question, and everyone's like, "Oh, you were fine. Like these boys are going over. They don't know anyone." But for me, going over, it was lucky that Pierce was there in terms of he was going to look out for me, obviously make sure I was happy, this and that. But at the same time. I didn't really know him as a person, if that sounds, might sound a bit strange. But like, so when he left, I was 11. And then all my years growing up, all my older brothers and sisters were overseas. So i only seen him once, twice a year for like a week or so. So for me, it was getting to know him again, um, which was one of the highlights, looking back on it now, like meeting him with a great relationship, whereas before... Obviously, I was 17, 18, but we only had the odd message here and there on Facebook. Um, So, it did help. And then, obviously, I met some great friends. So, a lot of 17, 18-year-olds got drafted with me and then lived with them. So, um, it did help, yeah.
0: And that leads on to what I was going to ask now. Um, how did they bid you in over there? And what was the structure over there, we say, for new people coming over from... Ireland are coming over from overseas um, how, you know it, it is daunting you know don't get me wrong at yeah. that age you know how did it make you feel at home
1: as best they could Um. so I was different in terms of when I moved over I lived with Pierce straight away so most guys whether they're Irish or even interstate so if you're moving from Melbourne up to Brisbane what they do is they assign it first into a host family so with that then you're getting the kind of home care they're doing your washing your food and they're, they're being looked after so that's external to football and um, then I suppose in the club they have like they have such a good structure in place in terms of welfare officers and the coaches so they want to get to know you as a player and a person so they're there to help you excel on the field but away from the field they want to make sure you're happy so they're taking you out for coffees and dinners and you know what I mean, just constantly checking in so they do well furnished to them
0: and would you like did you have check ins with a, an officer every three or four days, or was it every couple of weeks? Or,
1: um, I suppose it was whenever because they were always there, so they were always at every training. Whenever we were in the gym, they were always at their office, so you might swing by and they always had like a sweet jar, so they might just go in, and say hi, and keep going again, you know. Um, but yeah, I suppose with the Irish lads, they take extra kind of care as well. Because um, obviously it is a big move. So they try and make sure the parents are coming over at right times. And if they need to go home, there's obviously they're very accommodating.
0: If you were to look back in your first year there and all what was the biggest shock to the system, you know, moving over when, when the, the excitement and the novelty, you would say, ran off? What was what can kind of really
1: woke you up? But I kept getting asked, "Am I missing home?" And if I'm being honest, I did like I didn't at all. I was there, this white skinny kid, and I was just gymming. So I was gymming, couldn't go running, was watching football. Like I've seen that interview by Red Oak when he moved home, how he didn't actually like the game. I was the same, like struggled to watch it. But I was like, "Geez, I'm gymming here, getting big, and I'm getting getting well paid for it." But then as I got to know the game and got to understand it all, fell in love with it. So then by getting into fantasy football um and all that over there, I just grew like my first year, I didn't really have any struggles to be honest. Um aside from the frustration of not being able to get out there and run. But again, my first year I was pretty positive that I'm a long term project. So I know a lot of guys are looking to get over there and make the first team as quick as they can and all Mark O'Connor, obviously sensational what he did and what he's doing but um i was like i know my injuries and stuff that it's going to take me a bit longer but i knew down the road i would eventually get there but unfortunately just didn't work out how i'd planned uh look we'll, we'll touch on that point soon but uh do, do you think
0: you know when, when you got on the plane um when you were leaving for australia Do you think you were closing the door at a potential call up to Mayo Seniors down the line at that
1: time? Um, At the time, no. At the time, no. I suppose I know that there was that always I wanted to play for Mayo. um, And in the future, if it didn't work out, I would come back. But I suppose the fact that there was the injury there, I knew I was going to have a year anyway. So I was never going to not try it. Um, but yeah I just felt I suppose at 18 I didn't think I was going to be doing David Clifford on it and breaking through and um, stunning the country for another couple of years so I kind of thought it would be a good two years to build myself up and see how I went anyway
0: so yeah you went over so with you know a positive mindset and you were going to see what would happen and use yeah. it to, to develop yourself physically and and mentally as well, and just learn different yeah. aspects of, of you know a professional game um yeah. I suppose you know we all know certain young lads that are are the girls as well that are actually going across to Australia. What advice would you give them, you know, looking back at now albeit you're, you're still very young, but what advice would you give them going over
1: um going over and enjoying it um I suppose another thing would be giving it time too. Like it's easy to go over there, not like and miss your friends and get the feeling to come home. And I don't think there's any player or person that's gone over and not struggled. Um like I know Pierce in his early days, McKenna obviously there last year. A lot of guys have returned home. Um but for me I had a couple of those stages pushed through it and loved it, you know. So it's probably giving it a good chance, not going over just to Half, half-heartedly do it um, and just enjoy themselves. It wasn't until I'd stepped away and moved home all the other aspects that I'd actually learned. So I took for granted over there but coming home how I could take them then even to work and to, even to the local club, you know.
0: And I suppose this is a big uh, touching off topic in, in the GA at the moment but uh, from your own opinion, um, you know, there's a lot of players going over to Australia and, you know, Definitely take the opportunity one hundred percent. You know, I'm not gonna begrudge yeah. any fella for that. Do you think there should be some financial or some type of reward for these clubs that are producing these
1: players? <laughs> um it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I mean guys are involved in so many clubs, then are you looking to go for my own sake, I know of but then I played a lot of school football most of my time was with Mayo um then you've guys from different backgrounds and different sports um like I know Dara Joyce he played Gaelic but hurling was his main sport yeah. John he's is saying killed at the minute so I mean there could be something um but I'm not too sure
0: yeah that's actually a very good point that you know, if, if they are supposed to get compensated, what sport is to get compensated? Should it be the hurlers or should it be the footballers? You know, <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's, it's an interesting one. You know the physicality in the AFL. What are if any concussion training were you given?
1: Um yeah, no, they were pretty good. We used to um we used to do these tests. Um so on the laptop questions popping up and you answer how quick you can do them and stuff. Um, and then, obviously, if you ever got a headbang in the game, the doctors would be straight on, you'd be down, you do your test, and they kind of determined from that. Um, but they were pretty well educated. We had a, a player who actually had to end his career because of a concussion. Um, so I was training, and he got a knee into his head, and, yeah, never actually returned to play after that. So, like, it is pretty serious, but I suppose they're learning from the NFL as well, and trying to protect players as best they can, even rules with tackles as well. They're making it a bit more safer, so you can't like throw people to the ground. It needs to be grabbing them and safe, and, well as safe as you can take them down.
0: Something you kind of touched on earlier on, uh, and it's completely up to yourself how you, how you want to answer it. You return to Ireland. Um, if you had to look back at your time in in Brisbane Lions, what would you take? What would be the takeaways and what was that point that made you saying, Look, I think it's it's time to head back to the
1: Emerald oil? Um so takeaways, I suppose to start off your question would be unbelievable experience. Um have amazing friends. Friends I keep in touch with now and I went back and visited there just before COVID and it was like I'd never left. So um yeah, the friendships, and then even the experience, I suppose, it's getting to play professional football, getting to live the lifestyle, um, living the good weather. It's something I'll never never forget and I'll cherish. Um, even family coming over. So family used to come over once, twice a year. And some of my best memories is having them over there and going to the zoo and going to the beach and all that kind of stuff. I suppose moving home, it was a tricky one because when I left, I was like – I'm giving this everything. I'm, I'm like, I'm doing doing a pierce on it. I'm making a career for myself. Um, and I wasn't looking back. I suppose when I got over there, first year I was with my ACL. um my next year, then I had very bad groin. So when we were minors, we were unfortunate, I suppose, that a lot of us picked up some major groin injuries, um, whether it was overtraining or the gym work and everything else I suppose we were we were an unlucky group in that we were successful but paid for it I suppose for the next couple of years after that so in my first year I was out with my ACL for the year second year then I had um my two groins reconstructed in Sydney so I was just coming back and then I had them so that put me back for a few months so I was coming back from that and then I was still getting sore couldn't get to the bottom of it and uh, they were like oh you're having an issue with your growth plate Growth plates. Sorry, I was like, never heard of this. So I was like, "Yeah." So there's only the only people that I've done research on it are people in Qatar. So I'd recommend you go and see them. And I'm thinking, "Geez, I've just been to Sydney. They're sending me off to Qatar now." So the fizz was like, "Right, we're not going to Qatar. Let's get in touch with them and see what they come back with." So I was obviously upset at this stage. In my second year, thought I'd be playing, and I'm still back to square one. So what they found was, or what we were told. Taking two to six months of complete rest, you make a full recovery. So I was found that because of the training I was doing when I was younger, my bones and my grow, my hips and everything just hadn't fully fused. And um, so after the reconstruction, the muscle was fine. Now I needed the bo- the bones to grow. So they put me out for the full year. They sent me back to Ireland for two months just to pretty much sit on the couch and play some FIFA. And like even upper body, they wanted me to rest all my core as well. So I was bed bound, um, so that obviously wasn't ideal. So I was there in a two-year contract. Two years hadn't left rehab, so I was like, "I'm doing well to get on the contract here." <laughs> so um, obviously, fighting on to the positive mentality I had in my first year, and they were like, "You know, you're you're unreal to have around the club. You're always smiling, positive. You're good for the people, good for our good for our culture, and we've gone this far with you. We want to give you another year." So um, I was like, obviously, wanting to repay that. So got my third year. So obviously now I'm coming off multiple injuries. So my groin surgery was four operations in the one. And then my ACL. So they managed me through, got through preseason, did about 70% of it. And then games that eased me in. So it was the build-up to my first game. I was nervous. Was uh, talking with the coaches and stuff. And they were like, you'll be fine. Just go out there and enjoy it make mistakes it's going to happen um so that was this, it was the game was on a Saturday and that Tuesday I got a text from Pierce and he just goes um hey do you want to stay down so he's now on the coast he was like do you want to stay down after the game And I was like yeah fine so normally we'd go for a few beers or something so I was like that's nothing nothing out of the ordinary and um so we played the, the Gold Coast Suns and he was playing for the Suns and the Suns played our senior team after so it was like a doubleheader so we went out and we played, and then he was playing after. And our team had just won. So we were celebrating in the change room. And I get a call from him, like, why is he calling me straight away? So my brother was very sick at home at the time. Um, so he was over the year before, and as soon as he went home, um, we found out that he had cancer. So that was in the September and the March then of the following year, so five, six months later. Um, so I was obviously on a massive high. I'd waited two and a half, three years for this game and then went into the change room after I just seen Pearson, he was crying and he didn't even say anything to me and I knew it wasn't good. So then I just went straight back down. So like that day in itself was one of the biggest days of my life really. Um, So we didn't even talk. We just stood there and the captains from both teams came in and the welfare officers. So there was a good group of us and, so I stayed down then for a day and then we got on the flight then as soon as we could home. So we were told that we probably wouldn't make it. So he held on for three days by the time we got our flight and got home. So as soon as we got to the hospital then he um he stayed he stayed with us for an hour and then after the hour then he uh he passed away. But like for him and the strength that he went through, even to hang on to get home is something that myself and I know my brothers and sisters and family are, are like hanging on to now and the strength he showed so I suppose injuries and then a lot of that it kind of just came to a point for me and I was like it's time to come home
0: that's uh, that's fair enough yeah that's that yeah. definitely that would definitely affect anyone Um, the setbacks and you know those those setbacks and you know, having a positive mentality all the time, but to get hit with that after after three years and it it definitely kind of I suppose makes it makes you realise what's important in life and
1: Yeah. Um and then I feel like I went back and played the rest of the season after a few weeks. Um and again had ups and downs, so had some good games, had some bad games, had my best game but then was upset after it, couldn't explain it. Um so then, yeah, so I suppose in my fourth, they offered me another year extension. And um, I stayed on, and I was actually moving pretty well. Uh, Running-wise, the coaches were excited because this is the first time they'd see me at full running capacity. So the big one was the three-kilometer time-tried after Christmas. And there was one lad that always was out front. And I was like, I'm going to push him today. So went out there, and um, I think it was the end of January. So I'd never ran one. So I didn't really know how to pace myself. I was like, I'm just going to go help (laughs) and hang on. So, and I actually, I I won it. So came off that I fell over the line and I couldn't do any more. So I finished the session, but they were like, wow, like we've never seen anything like this in your four years of here. So I remember coming away and I never felt the kind of achievement that I should have at the time. Um, And this is around the stage where I was kind of, I think it's time for me to go home. And then, like two weeks later, I was on a flight home. So it just kind of all came to a point, and just wasn't feeling it. And once I made the decision to come home, I was just happy with it and relieved, and never looked back. That's good. And
0: you're, yeah, that, like you just said there, you're you're happy with decision, and uh, you you don't regret anything. Do you? well apart from the injuries and all that, but yeah, <laughs> <you're> not, <laughs> nothing you can really, not, nothing you can do about that.
1: <laughs> no, no. I suppose, um. No regrets. Delighted to have moved home. Have found it hard to adjust. Um, I would be lying if I said it was a sweet transition.
0: So look, Keen. I suppose look, you know, when you came back from Australia, um, tell us about how you felt and not living as a professional
1: athlete anymore. Um, yeah, it was it was hard. It was a lot harder than I thought. Um, so moving home, the plan was get home, uh, so I moved home in February of 2018, and the plan was to go straight to college in September, so I'd come home, get straight into college, get my degree, and get my life moving, and then, obviously, moving home, uh, I suppose the lifestyle, the weather change, going from the city in Brisbane to the countrysides of Balahadrin was, a uh, obviously, it was home, but it was different, coming back as a 21-year-old at the time. Um, Andy Moran uh, really looked after me so from helping me with football and um, work even living here um, like I, I can't thank him enough to be honest for what he's done um, so the plan was to get home so I joined up with the Mayo team um, I had talks uh, like when they heard I was coming home so I talked talks with Stephen Rochford at the time he was like, they'd love to get me back and get me involved. Um, so, again, it was a tricky one. So I'm coming back from being well managed, coming off all my surgeries, to come back into a new team and expect to kind of be like flying. So, like I said before, so I was, I was moving well with my running and that, but at the same time, training-wise, I was being managed. So I wasn't doing every training. um, I wasn't like missing out on a drill here and there. Wasn't that I didn't want it? It was just my body physically couldn't do it. So I struggled coming home, then going to all these trainings, and not being able to get through it, which then forced me to uh, take a lot of anti-inflammatories. I was playing in corner forward, not moving. It was wet. I think it was snow at the time when I moved home. Um, yeah, it was just uh, was an eye-opener, and didn't didn't really enjoy it to be honest at the start. Uh, Andy then kept me involved Um obviously the, his positive energy was flow, flowing into me and uh, yeah I suppose football struggled with that um, college then was coming around found that kind of too big of a decision to lock into so deferred that for a year um, and then was working in the gym so I've been working there for two years and that's honestly been like great for me um getting out, met a lot of new people in, in Castle Bear, um working and moving. Um and then yeah, so it's been it's been tricky but it's it's been good to be home.
0: Very good. Um and just I suppose when you're looking back on your your experience with the Brisbane Lions, what would be your your um synopsis of the team culture There was there a very good team culture, very positive team culture. From how you're speaking about it then I they
1: seem to be, but how do you think that was kept positive? Um, so they do a lot of work with external organizations. Um so similar to what yourself is doing and bring clubs down and get team building and camaraderie and stuff. So they actually bring in these teams, so might call leading teams, and they work for months. And they do like workshops and challenges and stuff. So the Lions, they went through a rough patch where, because they're an interstate team, that they were developing all these young players. But then as soon as they were coming to their prime, they all wanted to move home. So the Lions, they wanted to change that and create a good culture. So they got a good coach, they got a new coach in, started bringing in these people, and they got good people there. So pretty much boys were loving us, they were happy, wanted to improve and so we call it like a growth mindset and um, and that was the this, this thing so staying staying blue not going into black and building relationships so on and off the field so it was always about getting to know the people outside of football um, I suppose the advantages of Australia is you have the time to do it in Ireland everyone's working and you get trained you want to get out as soon as you can you know you're not hanging around going for coffees and stuff and well I suppose you are but you aren't at the same time depending on your situation yeah, um, it
0: Depends on the work I suppose
1: Yeah Yeah But um, no culture is a huge thing in Australia and the Lions have done a great job on building a good one so I think they went from last or second last to second last year so they're, um, they're making good strides And I
0: suppose what other things you know they, they, you said they're the team culture is very important for them and they are working it. What other little things might they do daily that although it might be some sort a small thing, but it does lead into developing a positive team culture overall?
1: Um I suppose as there's, there's things when you add up you you kinda of, you're always assigned to different groups. Um so me being in rehab, I was always involved in the main group, but then you had the rehab groups so we'd always go for coffees and lunches. I'd have a development coach, so a skills coach. He was always checking in on me, Um so everyone was kind of looking out for each other. So it was a real kind of care factor, and wanting to help people. Um, trying to think, what else now? Off the top of my head, um, yeah, I'm not too sure what else to be honest. Fair enough. Um,
0: and I suppose. The biggest shock to the system, so coming back, was the weather, was it?
1: Yeah. Well, I knew coming home what it was going to be like, but it was a shock. <laughs> um, yeah, especially those first few weeks. It was like when we were getting snow in like, March, and I was like, this, this isn't right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and look, all right, you came back um, in February, and yeah. you know you were, you were f- trying to figure out would you go to college or what we were you going to do yeah um and you got called in with the Mayo uh team at the time then so yeah. what what you you dipped your your finger into a few other things you helped one of your friends with the formation of a company. Do you want to discuss that
1: yeah, so um, I moved home, and my good friend Shiroz Akram, uh was running a small sportswear company, so being involved with Mayo spent a lot of time with Tom Parsons as well, and the three of us were talking and Thought we'd make a big push for it. So we set up game-ready gear, so GRG Sports, and started off small with gloves and socks and hats. And we've kind of grown into a full-range sportswear provider now in, in Mayo. And I suppose, you
0: know, how did you think you could bring your experience from, say, the professional setup into that? Do, do you think, you know, what you learned in the professional game in, in, uh, in Australia You know, do you think like you're bringing your strengths to the table, and Tom is bringing his, and Jerome is bringing his? Do you think that is the proper remedy to have you're all bringing different perspectives? Tom would be be a bit older; he's on the male male squad for considerable amount of time, and you you play professionally.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel we all have our different attributes, um, and it's been working up until now. So. I suppose, like you said, Tom having that experience and playing for Mayo for I don't know how many years um and then Chero I suppose is doing good work with um a multicultural at the minute, so I know he's filming for r t e they're going around with uh, um multicultural sports athletes um so they're doing a piece on him, you know, so he's hitting out new targets and doing some good work and showing guys that it's all inclusive and everyone can um can thrive I suppose in sports and how good it can be and then I suppose then I just bring a different story as well going to Australia and coming back and injuries and overcoming injuries and hardship you could say so um yeah now the three of us are kind of complimenting each other
0: and uh, over the last couple of years look you've had a huge amount of setbacks and injuries how do you keep a positive mindset
1: um <laughs> that's a good question. So it's been it's been difficult. Um it has been difficult. So I'm actually I can thankfully say I don't want to be too grim, but at the minute I'm in a very good space, so I am I have a good network around me, so I'm at home. i've uh, been getting a good training block, so I'm feeling very fit and strong. At the minute it's my first proper time since coming home to actually work on myself. Um so I'm not working not traveling to Westme or Midlands to do a two and a half hour training session, come home to get up for six the next morning. Um yeah, and then obviously no college. So I suppose I had another setback when I first moved home that I ended up going and getting my two knees and patellar tendons operated on in Sweden. So to add to the list, so to add to this list, uh I am. Um, I came home. So as a result of, so I was saying, like, I can't actually physically do all these trainings. They were like, all right, well, let's get you through, and we look after the end of the year. So was training away. Was doing my best. Played a couple of games. Came on against goal. Went to and I did okay. I wasn't myself, but I was jittery and mistakes. But again, I'm delighted to uh, make appearances. So I then went and got my two knees operated on, and. Uh, so I was very well looked after in that case. But that kind of put me back. And then I was coming back from that then, I suppose, last year. And I was making good headway, but I was—I always think like moving home from Australia, like I stepped away from my dream of a professional footballer to move home. Like the headaches of the injuries, the doing the extras, doing the extra physio, it just all got a bit much. I went through a phase where I was like, not sure. Again, the whole struggling at home. So I actually had some good talks with James and some good talks with Killeen at the time and a lot of players. And I just said, to be honest, I want to be here. I feel I can offer something. But right now, just mentally, I'm not in the right headspace. So um, I'm going to take some time away, look after myself. And then hopefully in the future, whether it be a few months, a year, two years, I can come back and hopefully offer something and contribute. So that's what I did and you' you're in the middle of that at the moment, you in the middle of that at the moment, so um I went away to Boston last summer um so which was unbelievable, like one of the best summers now um you could imagine so I went over there, again for me, it was just getting back to playing football, so there was no stress of training I was going out there. Having the crack, it was just the enjoyment factor, and then came home and started playing some good football for the club. So it, it's funny how it works. <laughs> and I um a couple weeks
0: ago, I had ex carry footballer Barry John Keane, on uh, Instagram Live, and uh, yeah. he he couldn't advise any any higher that he said, look, definitely if any person has a, an opportunity to go across the Boston, they should they go across, you know, to America and play football. They definitely should. You, know, yeah. you, you grow as a person and it even improves your football as well and it's, it opens your mind
1: to, to different things. Would you, would you be in the similar perspective? 100%, yeah. I mean, he was over there and, and they won it, so they kind of narrowed our chances of winning it any bit. But um, <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, obviously I've been very lucky to go to Australia and now obviously during COVID and no football for the summer I was looking looking back, I'm glad I've got to experience that, you know. Um but yeah, I met some good friends.
0: What would be your general feel around before you went away? Um, with friends and other lads you might know and what you saw over in, in Australia. You you kinda of mentioned there that, you know, we say in Australia you were able to, you know, we say maybe sit out a couple of sessions that might and suit your, your body
1: at the time. Yeah, I mean it was very individualized, so it wasn't that I didn't want to train. So the guys in rehab used to actually go and do double what the guys in the main session did. So the guys might to train for an hour, whereas me and there was always a few of us in the rehab session. I was always there, but there was a few boys coming and going. So we used to go for like 30-minute swims, 60-minute bike sessions, the grinder, so like the bike for your arms. Like we were working twice as hard because the thing was, if we want to get back. We need to be as fit and even fitter to join straight back in. So coming home then trying to explain that was different because here there's not, I don't know, it might might be different in other places, but I didn't find there was that. Like if I wasn't out in the field, it was hard to pick me, which I completely understand. But at the same time, if I'm out in the field and I'm sore, I'm not giving the best account of myself. And then that leads into anti-inflammatories and everything else. So it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Fair enough.
0: It's uh it is, uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, Look, I suppose we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, and look, best look going forward. I hope the injuries will, will stay away and best look with the GRG sports gear as well.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much.
0: I hope you all enjoyed our interview with Keen Hanley. Again, he's a very, very down to earth guy um very honest and look his, his story is very inspirational he's been through a huge amount of setbacks always kept positive always fo- focused and always looked forward we wish him the very best with his recovery We wishing the very best with grg sportswear and if you have any feedback on the podcast are any stories as we mentioned earlier on from being part of a team or a corporate team or a sports team or whatever team it may be please do email us info at ontheballteambuild.com you'll find us on instagram at underscore on the ball team building on facebook you'll find us on the ball team building and over on twitter it's at we are on the ball team building too Next week we're across the Atlantic to New York City, where we'll be catching up with a successful business owner over there. We'll chat about the current pandemic, the effect it's having on his business, the future outlook for businesses in the city, and the importance of GA in the city. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred and a fin. Thank you all for listening, and talk to you all soon.